everybody. Happy Monday. Today is June 24th, 2019. I have three stories from last week's busy week in the markets um, that I'm going to walk through this morning. Uh, the first is around Apple. So Apple last week made a big announcement that could impact um, essentially a lot of what the Trump administration was trying to avoid. So I'm sure most of you have heard about the China tariffs that are going in place. Um, what this is going to do is make business for Apple specifically and our fav- one of our you know favorite technology companies here in the United States um, more expensive for consumers like you and me. So um, by Trump increasing tariffs from China, to the U.S. that'll make shipping those iPhones, iPads, MacBooks um, much more expensive. So what was the hope of the Trump administration is that Apple would bring a lot of that production from China back to the United States. But what has now happened is Apple is actually asking their manufacturers if they would be willing to move operations out of China and into countries like Korea uh, and India, which is kind of interesting, right? This is a U.S. company. Um, the Trump administration is trying to get more products created in the United States versus abroad, um, and it's something Apple's not interested in um, for a lot of reasons, mainly because it's very expensive. Labor in the United States is much more expensive than in those less developed countries. Um, so, yes, yeah, so anyway... I thought that was really interesting. So we'll see what happens. It, this isn't a, this isn't confirmed, but this was leaked last week um, that Apple is going around asking um, some of their other companies or their production facilities to move operations. Um, the second new piece of news, and potentially um, one of the bigger things that's been announced um, financially lately. Uh, it's a little, a little boring and kind of a little complicated to go into. So I'm going to try to simplify this as much as possible. So if you haven't seen, um, interest rate conversation around the fed. So the fed, um, has been in, in the front page of a lot of financial news lately because they have been in talks of raising interest rates. Um, so I guess I'll back up first. So like, what's the fed? So the Fed is essentially the organization that is government-run that oversees our money. So they were created way back when, um, in 1913, so well before um, most of us, or even our grandparents probably, were, um, were born. So it's been around for a long time, and they're really in charge of maintaining the health, health of our financial system, um, and that includes the stock markets. So they're there to kind of keep a pulse on how healthy the the economy is, um, and then what they can do is change interest rates depending on the health of the economy. Um, So they're really looking, um, yeah, like I said, at a lot of different market levers. Um, That's kind of what they're they're professionals in, is reading the market and the economy and understanding um, what they should do with interest rates. And the federal interest rate really is an indicator overall of the economy's health. Um, and this can affect lots of things, right? And th- these things all affect you and me. So bank prime rates. So these can be uh, the rates that your, you know, your savings account um, draws interest on. 
This can be adjustable rates in interest only loans, credit card rates. So essentially like if you own a home, a car, credit cards, anything where your money is with a bank, um, whatever their decision comes out to be will directly impact you, right? So if you go to buy a home, um, they could in, in theory, you know, increase interest rates by even a quarter of a point or a quarter of a percentage, so 0.25%. And this in turn could then mean you paying thousands of more dollars over the life of your home. So there are big implications. Um, so the Fed, long story short, has been taking a long look at this. They decided to come out and not change any interest rates, which is interesting. It basically means they want to keep looking and keep um, a pulse on the economy. They feel like it's in a great spot uh, where it's at right now. So they're not going to do anything, um, which is which is good. I mean, for us as consumers, um, lowering interest rates um, has great things too. It doesn't happen immediately, right? So, you know, the Fed will announce either an increase or a decrease, or in this case, staying flat. That can take a year to a year and a half um, for it to come down and like hit your credit card, to hit each of our banks, um, to hit even, you know, loan institutes when we go to buy a car. It can take some time. Um, but what's interesting at a high level to think about, you know, if the Fed would have came out and announced an increase that rates are going up, um, that then trickles down to the banks, right? It then becomes um, more expensive for the banks to trade between banks. So on the back end, what you don't see is the banks are trading back and forth um, different loans between each other. Um, it's how they kind of do their business as well um, with the money that we loan them. So when the rates go up, you know, banks slowly lend less, it becomes more expensive for them. Um, if they're loaning, if they're, if they're, if banks are um, lending less um, to you and me, that means, so right, so they're not giving out quite as much money, um, businesses then in turn slowly stop borrowing, can, you know, sl slowly start receiving that money, which means they're slowing, slowly putting off expansion um, or innovation, which we talk about a lot on this podcast, um, which if they're not innovating, then it trickles down and consumers um, are slowly but surely going to realize that their wealth um, doesn't go as far as it once did. And then that means consumers like you and me stop making as many big purchases. You know, if, they, if, if the economy doesn't feel as healthy or strong to us, you know, we're going to stop buying that new car or buying that um, big expense that you want to put on your credit card, um, even though, disclaimer, I would not ever suggest doing that, um, or buying that first home or that next big home. Either way, um, it doesn't help you know, any of anything in the market, it slows down the economy. Um, not good, but it's kind of wild. Um, at a high level, you know, like I said before, even a, a small 0 0.25 point, you know, decrease or increase in the example of a decrease, um, what you usually see, um, from a stock market perspective is, you know, points, a point decrease goes down. The, um, interest rates go down just a tick the markets roar, um, and that, you know, when I say markets, I'm the stock markets, because um, they know that'll stimulate the economy, people start trading, selling, buying more, 
companies can grow and spend them, uh, spend more on innovating, which then in turn fuels more growth. And on the flip side, when you see an increase, a lot of times you'll see the markets react and fall as they interpret that as slowing growth. Um, it's an interesting, if you ever want to dive into it though, um, definitely Google, just Google Fed, you know, rate change and you'll find all sorts of analysts pouring over every little word from every one of those meetings that the Fed has. Um, it's very interesting to see how much our financial markets play into the words that come out of each of their mouths at the Fed. Um, it's something that I'm learning more and more about. It's something, honestly, before this conversation I hadn't dove deep into to um, research or understand, but um, something that, so no major news, it's all staying flat, but just wanted to give you guys a little background on what we can expect um, at the start of next year if things do go up or down. So those were the first two stories. Story number three, one of my favorite companies went public on Friday, uh, Slack, and they're trading under ticker WORK, W-O-R-K. So um, if any of you don't know what Slack is, it's essentially a tech startup that uh, I heard another podcast talk about how they would explain Slack, and I thought this was a great analogy. I'm going to borrow this um, and. The podcast is called Market Snacks. Uh, they're owned by Robinhood. You can find them on every podcast platform. They are the shit. You guys will love them. Check them out. Um, but Slack is kind of a child of iMessage meets email together. So it's a platform where you can talk to each other one-on-one -on -one at work. Um, you can have groups, so you know you have a team. You can make a, you can make a, a team chat, and there's also channels. So you can have like a channel about uh, the stock market, right? And people can post things in there whenever they want and uh, talk about the stock market. So it's a really innovative way for people to get out of email, which can be very um, slow. Um, you know, people get missed out on communication or the right people aren't involved, um, things get lost, or just work gets slowed down by having to read through and respond to so many emails. Um, so Slack, Slack is an awesome tool. I could talk about Slack all day. I recently got Slack implemented at my workplace um, when we started scaling, and it has drastically helped uh, internal communication uh, I would totally suggest it. What was wild about Slack is instead of going through the um, main IPO process, which includes um, a lot of fees, it's hiring investment banks, uh, it's going on a roadshow to pitch, you know, the investment bank, or not the investment bank, I apologize, to, uh, to pitch the, um, the stock and why you should invest in the company. It's a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money to then hopefully... Um, keep your stock at a healthy price once you launch. The other way to do it is a direct listing. So they went through a direct listing, which means they just, instead of raising or releasing new shares into the market and going through that whole process, they just released their current shares that they had um, for the company. And that also means that there's no lockup period. So for a normal IPO, companies go through what's called a lockup period. So if you're someone who's an initial investor, and you have shares in the company, when they go public, you can't actually share your sell your shares. You can't sell your shares for a certain period of time. Um, 
this this is good for the company that's going public as you know they can kind of they can keep things steady for a few months uh, while you're locked up you don't want you know you don't want all of your investors to you know day one of IPO pump that they just made a shit ton of money and sell all their shares like that doesn't look great so that's part of the reason for that um, so they went through a direct listing this is this is risky in a lot of ways um, and the reason for that is you don't know what's going to happen right as soon as you go public through a direct listing and all of your shares are on there um, anything can happen whether that's up down it, it, anything can happen. So you're totally at the will of people trading your stock. Um, this only really works, though, and I've been really diving into this over the last few days. This seems to only really work with companies that have a huge following before going public. So something like Slack, like people knew who Slack was. They had millions of users, hundreds of thousands of businesses using this. Um, so they didn't feel like they needed to go do this roadshow um, to tell all these big investment firms um, and, you know, and investors, who they were. They felt like they already were in the now. People knew who they were. So an interesting way to do it. So what happened? So day one, stock price opens at 26, jumps 50% in the first day of trading, um, which is an incredible start to the market. If The only thing I would say, and I've talked about this um, last week with Chewy, which we're seeing uh, after last week, is um, it does seem to always seem to kind of rebound, right? There's a rubber band effect. So as it jumps, continues to skyrocket, more and more people throw money in, it goes up and up and up. And now we're actually seeing it come down. So it will stabilize, um, but those people that decided to follow everybody else and invest um, later in the day on Friday um, are now losing a lot of money on those shares. So it's still an incredible start for Slack. Um, it'll stabilize. It'll continue doing well. They're innovating like crazy. They're continuing to grow, add, adding big customers um, to their paying database of users. Um, and it's a, it's a company that you should keep an eye on. Slack, I think, uh, is really trying to innovate and change the way we communicate. I think we're a long way from seeing email go away. It's still one of the most highly used communication tools on the planet. But... Slack is pretty awesome, and it's uh, it's something that I think we'll start seeing in more and more businesses. Now they're public, there's just more more eyes on it, more people are going to hear about it, and I think it'll be used a lot wider um, than it has before. So that is the market updates for today. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Um, we will be back soon with another episode. Let me know what you think, comment, um, reach out to me on Instagram and um or twitter and um we'll talk soon have a great monday good luck in the markets today kick some ass and talk to you soon